Hello again, and welcome to a Planet Beyond Shortcast. Today, I'm talking with Helen Stewart, who we heard from in our episode back in June about women in hydrography, in which we talked about barriers women face in industries like hydrography and what we can do to make change. This time, we're hearing from Helen more about her personal experience and what it took for her to overcome those barriers. Helen is a hydrographer with Fugro in the Coastal Resilience and Ocean Science Division and has worked in many different roles across this industry. Welcome back, Helen. And maybe you could give us some background on what you do. I am a nautical chart hydrographer who got lost in the wilderness. And after a very long and eclectic career doing everything from satellite-based bridge condition in rivers to deep ocean geology research, I actually have a piece of the Earth's mantle somewhere that's from a research trip and everything in between, I've settled into the Coastal Resilience and Ocean Science Division of the Fugro office in Houston. I am a certified hydrographer. I have a bachelor's in math and a master's in marine science. And I'm the one that you call when you've got a weird problem that you're not really sure what to do with, or maybe that it spans a couple of disciplines that you know somebody has done and I might not be the right person for that specific thing but I probably can tell you who you need to call. You were recently asked to write a keynote for the International Hydrographic Review. Could you tell us a bit about what your keynote is is all about? I was invited by with as a result of the work with the International Hydrographic Organizations empowering women in hydrography project the editors of the International Hydrographic Review very, very kindly invited me to write a keynote for their centennial anniversary of it edition. What I wrote about for the keynote was about community engagement and essentially having soft skills to go along with the technical skill. And... When I was a graduate student, and I I was born and raised in North America, but I went to graduate school in Cape Town, and some of that was part of a misguided sense of adventure. Some of it was I wanted to study somewhere that had an oceanography program that also didn't experience snow. Um, I don't like winter. And while I was studying there, I was invited to be part of a project several years long project. My piece was about a week of that total in a very remote, very rural part of South Africa, not very far from the border with Mozambique, where the people leading this project were working with local community residents on trying to come up with a fisheries management plan. They had a historical artisanal and subsistence shellfish catch fishery that was under threat for a variety of reasons. And 
this is a point that I often make. We don't do science in a vacuum. We're not out there taking sediment samples to sit in a closet for all of eternity. We're doing it for some sort of applied scientific reason. In this case, it was to make sure that people would be able to continue to eat high quality protein and that literally people's lives depended on getting this right or at least right enough. And then you also have to consider what was happening in South Africa in 2002 and 2003. Um, it was a time of great political and governmental change in the country. But at the same time, people, a lot of people in the country, and especially the people in the region where we were working, had very, very good reasons to not trust anybody from the government at all. It wasn't that long ago that people going out to do their traditional shellfish harvesting could be arrested and thrown in jail for doing that. Um, because there's a difference between conservation, keeping that resource intact and nobody's using it at all, and sustainable use. Helen, faced with this reality, how do you go about changing mindsets? How do you ensure you create the impact that you desire? So a major part of this very long resource research effort was doing the community engagement and doing the dirty work of reaching out to the modern word we're using as stakeholders at the time, it, community residents, members of the local governing board and um, an ever rotating cast and crew of grad students with about three or four researchers who were there consistently. And that was a real wake up call. It's not just that, you know, science is great and awesome. I mean, I do enjoy the discovery part of this, but I'm also very cognizant that I'm not out here to be taking sediment samples to put in a closet that, you know, the stuff that I'm doing is deliberately intended to make a difference in people's lives. And it's a choose your own adventure story after that. The adventure that I choose is to try and do that in a positive way. And that's something I've appreciated greatly over the last several years as Fugro has transitioned into offshore wind and renewables. But there's more than just energy and climate change. There's, you know, people like me who would like to go offshore and um, not die. So we would like to have safety equipment that fits us. Or mm. people like me would like to have nice things. And if we as a society are excluding half of the brain power that we have available to us for arbitrary reasons, like what sort of body arrangement people have, then the likelihood that we will have nice things is reduced dramatically. You talked about utilizing these soft skills with, well, with such ease. Is it something you've always found comes easily to you or, or is it something you've worked on and got better at? It's years and years of hard work. If you had talked to me 20 years ago as a young temperamental graduate student, you would have come up with a very different impression of who I am. I mean, this is this is not, and this is why I mentioned 
soft skills are an essential part of science, but they're not necessarily one that people are expected to learn. And some I'm I'm going to a conference in two weeks time where I'm going to be talking to young professionals entering the future workforce. And I'm going to be talking about learn how to write. If you can't learn how to write and no chat GPT is not going to do it for you, you need to know how to communicate your ideas and your goals and your passions and even what you want for dinner in an effective manner to other people. You're not going to get what you want or what you need. So that's been a big part of it. Another part of it, and this is, um, again, related to a past experience, and past experiences aren't always positive or pleasant. They can be what we call learning and growth experiences because we don't want to say it was a rough time. When I first started working for Fugro, I was working at the Fugro office in New Zealand. And I had moved from North America to New Zealand on a wing and a prayer. And it's one thing to, you know, read up on where you're going to be living, but it's another thing to experience it yourself. And so the first couple of months were okay. And then at month three, when I was sitting alone in my empty flat, when it was raining sideways, and that's not an exaggeration, New Plymouth gets very wet, um, raining sideways, and my furniture package still hadn't arrived. So I was sitting in a mattress on the bare floor, and I just broke down sobbing. What have I done? That was really the point where it really sunk in. It's like, Helen, if you want these you, you know, fill whatever these might be, what is fill in the blank about that. You have to do it. Nobody is going to hand it to you. You have to put on your socks and you have to put on your shoes and you have to start walking. You clearly have a crystal clear vision about what you want to achieve and have clearly put a huge amount of work and effort into getting there but you also seem to have achieved a, a great balance and not fallen into the trap of overworking and burning out. Is that balance difficult to find? I think it's a good point, and especially because this is part of an overall conversation regarding gender equity, this is a good time to say that I'm not married and I don't have children. And the fact that I do not have dependence other than my cat means that I have a lot of free time that I'm able to do these things. And that is, um, that is an important concern and consideration for anybody and some people, and I, I am able to do a lot. I, the other thing I'm able to do a lot of what I'm able to do because I'm very lucky. I'm healthy. I live in a nice place. I get to eat good food and my gardening is part of that. I, a lot of what I grow is deliberately to eat. I was, believe it or not, before coming onto this call, I was outside before signing on to work this morning, hand pollinating corn. And I'm routinely going out because that's how I know that it actually got pollinated as I go out and do it myself. And the same thing with doing pumpkins and squash, going out and making sure that yes, actually I will have food coming off of this thing. So that's an important consideration. And another, another concern is um, I try very hard to avoid doing things that don't add 
some sort of positive benefit to my life. Um, and you'll notice that I phrase that very carefully. It's, I, it's not that I don't do things I don't want to do. Everybody does things we don't want to do. I don't really like mopping the floor, for instance, but it needs to be done. But it has a positive benefit in my life, even though it's not a fun task. But if, if there's something that I just do not enjoy and it's not adding a positive benefit to my life some other way, um, I don't have to do it and I choose to do something else that actually adds benefit to my life. And again, I am lucky enough to be in that position. I wonder if you could share a bit of advice for how we could improve that work-life balance. Don't make it hard. If you have an opportunity to do something that does not involve unnecessary complexity, necessary complexity is sometimes a thing that you need to have, but don't make it hard for no good reason. And I do use that when I'm talking about women in the workplace quite a bit. If you are excluding for arbitrary reasons some group of otherwise talented people, you're making your life harder for no good reason. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Helen. It's been great talking with you again and Thank you for letting us hear your story. There are certainly some valuable lessons we can all take in perseverance and hard work. And as always, thank you for listening. Until next time, be safe, be remarkable, be the difference. <laughs>